It's Dungeons and Diapers. I'm Crofton Steers. He's Ryan Murphy. Quickest intro Crofton has ever done. Boom. Again, intro over into the show. Hello, Ryan. How's it going? It's going it's going well. Wow. That was uh that was quick. Um I feel as though we had did we get feedback on our hour, almost two hour podcast last week about about maybe it was too short, so or too long rather. And that's why you've sped up the intro? For me, it's just like I do my long, extravagant intros and people know me for them. But then at a certain point, I'm like, I've got to mix it up, right? Just make it punchy. Boom. You're into the show. Oh, I'm here with Crofton and Ryan. I, I just put these headphones on. I didn't know what I, – I thought I was going to be like sort of weaned into this experience instead. Boom. Auditory fireworks right off. And so that's what I wanted to do. And I think I was successful. I, I, I feel as though uh, we are ready to podcast because we've got a lot of stuff in the notes. Um, I, I, I see here that we've um, somehow went from doing multiple episodes of, of you making fun of me for buying next-gen consoles, and then you've, you've somehow... I can't believe you flipped the script so quickly. <laughs> Is all I, I just... just it's like, oh yeah, I think I'm gonna go do this thing, and uh, I don't want to steal your thunder or anything, but yeah, like, what's up? Well, seeing as you've already stolen it, let me just try to uh, to 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 dial it back here. Everyone, I have bought an Xbox Series X, and yes, it was due to Ryan's peer pressure last episode, and the fact that he sent me links whenever it would come <laughs> into stock. And the fact that he gave me all sorts of tricks for getting the best money investment out of it. Like, the bottom line is he did everything except click, add to cart himself. And pay um, for it. But, <laughs> but uh, yes. Uh, but but um, I am – so I'm the proud owner of now a, a Xbox Series X next-gen generation console. And it was exciting, you know. Like, it was it was fun to get it. And I do, I do find it um, – a little hilarious because my I make this joke often about uh, to my wife about how I never get anything in the mail, but yet Amazon seems to have a complete. I don't know if it's a warehouse in my house or or just like a um, the 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 guys like to knock on my door constantly and drop boxes in front of it, but none of those boxes are for me. It's like oh these are doll clothes for Gwen's doll uh, or this is for Jesse. Or this is, oh, Clara has a new summer outfit. Oh, just constantly, just box after box after box, uh, never for Crofton. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it was really like when, when I bought it, I was really excited to get something delivered for me. And then, of course, the, the doorbell rings in and Jesse says, hey, there's something at the door. Oh, your Xbox is here a day early. And I was like, hallelujah, this is awesome and there's this big box and she brings it in she opens it oh doll clothes nope it's not uh it's not the xbox i don't know why they put it in a box this big but uh sorry to get your hopes up and then i just you know spiraled into despair but then the next day it arrived um and all is well it's set up i'm happy i'm happy about it now i'll talk more about it in the dungeons but before i do i do want to mention something here which is that you um have a trick that I think saved me a fair amount of money, and I'm not sure if it's ever going to go away. It feels like an exploit in a game or something, but they must know about it. Anyhow, I want you to run through it for the listeners because I do think that it is a uh, 
It is a benefit, it, a huge benefit, but it is a benefit that can only be done one time and you can easily miss that opportunity. And so I would feel bad if, uh, if a listener could could take advantage of this exploit, but but uh, is unaware or misses their chance. So Ryan, do you want to do you want to go through what you told me? Right. So essentially what Crofton's talking about is uh, and there'll be there'll be listeners of the podcast, uh, specifically Whirlwind, who I walked through the process as well. Uh, when he got his Series X, and essentially what it is is um, Xbox has the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which bundles gold, uh, Game Pass for PC, and Game Pass for Xbox. So three services in one, and actually includes EA Play as well. There was sort of a weird loophole with EA Play that that did get patched. Uh, essentially, EA Play was um, being offered at one-to-one ratio to Ultimate, which was uh, a crazy deal, but they have patch that up but essentially what this trick is is it is it feels like an exploit but really at the end of the day what microsoft is doing here is they want you in the ultimate ecosystem they want you to be locked in at the 16.99 i think it is per month canadian to get ultimate their best subscription uh has the most offer in, in play there so what it is is basically you can upgrade your xbox live gold which is technically the lowest um dollar amount subscription you can get from microsoft for your xbox and what you do is you buy a 12 uh a 12 month code for xbox live and you can only have a maximum of three years of of xbox live on your account that's where it caps it so that is the limit there but essentially you buy um what i did is i bought two 12 month Xbox Live codes and a six-month Xbox Live code. Code. You add the first twelve month. If you it auto, it, it, you can set it to auto renew, which gives you another free month. So you're at thirteen months. Then you turn auto renew off. You add the twelve month, rinse, repeat, get another free month. Now you're at what is that? Uh, Twenty twenty-six months. And then you add the final uh, six-month code and get another extra month to a total of like thirty some odd months just under the 36 month limit i i'm in like 2023 expiry date now on my game pass yeah so essentially you get a 2023 expiration date on your gold then for a lot of users especially if you haven't been subscribed to game pass ultimate in a while you can upgrade that subscription at a one-to-one ratio to xbox live or sorry to xbox game pass ultimate usually there's a one dollar deal available I think for you, Crofton, it was $1 for three months, right? It was $1 for three months. And that's why it's really tempting. You start your new Xbox and and it says like for $1, you get three months of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. And I know I want Game Pass. That's part of the reason I got the system. So I'm really tempted to hit the button. I'm like, oh, and Ryan is, is, is like, wait, 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 wait. He sends me a message. He's like, hold it, hold it. He's got his trick for me. And then I'm like, okay, Ryan, tell me what it is. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to do a five-hour podcast first. <laughs> and so so I sit and I stew and I wait and I check my phone. I'm like, did Ryan message me what the trick is? And then he does. And it sounds, as I'm sure a lot of you who listen to this thing, too good to be true. Because honestly, when you're doing it, there's no like – there's no real guarantee like you you cash in these codes or 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 you you buy this Xbox Live Gold subscription and you think to yourself, "Oh, I don't want to be saddled with this. It's like 70 bucks Canadian a year." 
if it doesn't merge somehow or uh, but i figured it's all owned by microsoft so it's all going to work itself out one way or another but at the same time i was too nervous to pull the trigger so i was like oh ryan are you sure and then ryan of course went to bed super early because he's got like 18 children gets up the next day is like oh yeah yeah it works do it and so I, I did it and I was scared and there's no, no real big confirmation. Like you cash in your cards. I got my Xbox live gold and then I go in to do my $1, you know, join upgrade to game pass ultimate. And then the, the, I think it's still, all the messaging is just the three months, you know, it never says anything really about the upgrade. Like it's very nebulous. And then I go into my afterwards, I'm like, did it work? I'm not sure. And I went into the settings afterwards to look at my expiration date of Game Pass. And oh, sure enough, it was somewhere in 2023. And as Ryan said, it's $16.99 Canadian a month, which I again for Game Pass is, is pretty damn good value still. But to 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 you know I I, I run the numbers on it and I'm I'm saving a ton of money. So if if you are um, you know, going to do that, then please uh, uh, tr take advantage of that deal. Because if the time thing is, if I had clicked yes to that one dollar three month without doing Ryan's trick, yeah, I would have gotten three months, and then I would have been paying sixteen ninety nine a month. Um, this way, uh, I you know, I I've, I'm paying what the equivalent of gold is for the month, and I can't believe gold as a standalone product in the era of Game Pass still exists. Ryan made the good point uh, that it's probably for people who just play one game online, like Call of Duty or Madden or something. And I can see that. I just, I just don't understand why you would, why you would get gold. And they still have games with gold, which I think is fun. In the era of Game Pass, I find funny because it's often like three crappy games, and then you look at Game Pass, and there's amazing stuff there, right? Yeah, it's also worth noting that if you had subscribed to Game Pass Ultimate with that one dollar deal you could have let it lapse after that three months and still done this trick. Uh, you just would have had to pay the $16.99 to upgrade. Um, here's the thing, like Microsoft has a very clear ratio of how redeeming codes works when you're an active Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscriber. So 12 months of gold, I think, works out to be about four months of Ultimate. And those ratios are on their website if you do all of this through the Microsoft services website, the Xbox services website, it's a little more clear what you're doing, uh, especially with the auto renew and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, I've done this twice. Uh, when it first, when ultimate was first introduced a few years ago, I did it for a year and I figured, Oh, I'm going to try this for a year at the time it would have had my subscription lapsing when Halo Infinite was supposed to come out. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, that didn't happen. But when that that sort of that subscription lapsed um, in January of this year, or was it last year? I think it was this year. Yeah, it was this year because 2020 is a blur. But uh, so anyways, I was able to do it twice. I was able to then load up my account with gold, upgrade it to ultimate. So at this stage, the trick to upgrade to ultimate at a one-to-one -one ratio is still active and this is a deal that's sort of used a lot by deal hunters in the video game community so the second it doesn't work there will be reddit threads about it and um i'll link to a couple of guides in the show if notes. you're listening to this episode in the future and it no longer works and you got screwed we apologize but you have no one but yourself to blame for not going back and checking like if this is in the past 
you know, who knows? Uh, we just know it, it it works now. And in fact, the Reddit thread Ryan shared was like hundreds of days old. And that's why I was so, I'm like, does this still work, Ryan? Please I think I answer sent you me. a more recent one as well where people were commenting. And it was even one I think that was 30 days old, but people were still commenting on it. Uh, I think it was a, the link I sent you, the re- link I originally sent you was the uh, Video Game Deals Canada community, yeah. which is a great subreddit if you're in Canada. But then I went to the Game Pass subreddit, which had like a um, uh, a pinned Game Pass conversion thread, which had all people, right, all right, yeah. I, I feel I feel like we are so down the rabbit hole here, and this is going to either really appreciate be appreciated by <laughs> yes. by uh, some people who save a few bucks, and meanwhile, all the PlayStation and other fans and people who don't even play games who for some reason listen to this show will will be like, oh God, are they still talking about Wait, the ins and outs of this? Whose podcast well, is this? Theirs or ours? Come on, there are timestamps in the show notes. If you wanted to skip, you could have skipped. No one's holding you hostage here. Short, short version, get <laughs> Xbox Live Gold. You can upgrade it with the, the special deal to Game Pass and you get a ton of time. Be sure you get a lot of gold first because it upgrades one to one. That's what I did. I'm glad. So now I like I'm in the I'm in the uh Game Pass both on PC and on my um console world. And as we head into the dungeons, Ryan, I know that you are also in the world of Xbox. Uh, Series X, but you actually opened up that wallet. Some moths flew out because it's been so long, and you reached in to get some cash to uh, to spend on a new game. Why don't you tell me what that game is and how you're enjoying it? Well, I purchased the Mass Effect Legendary Edition uh, on Xbox. I'm playing it on my Xbox Series X, and I gotta say. As a huge fan of Mass Effect, it is so awesome to it's it's weird to say this out loud, but it's so awesome to go back and play Mass Effect One. That story is that set up to such an amazing trilogy. Ah, we just don't get games like this very often, and to go back and yes, it's a 360 game that has been remastered. However, um, they did a great job bringing this game into 4k 60 frames per second land with the series x so i know there are going to be a lot of people who uh, may not have been as attached as i was to the mass effect franchise look at this and say like it doesn't look bad but it doesn't look great i i think like we forget how cruddy these games looked on the 360 and how much polish they've put in here it doesn't fix everything about about mass effect one i've only really played mass effect one i'm I think I'm on the last mission of Mass Effect 1. I've really been working my way through it. But yeah, just having a blast going back to it. And I, I do have to say, though, I, I get it as a, not only as a $80, you know, video game, uh, it's a collection of these old games as well that have been, there's been a lot of work done into the remaster, but still it is a, they are remasters. And I get it. It's going to be on Game Pass at some point because it's an EA game. So like, there's some, certainly warranted hesitancy to buy it outright however if you're a huge fan and you really want to revisit these games and you don't want to wait there's no harm in and in, in putting opening up your moss covered wallet so to speak or you could use a credit card like a normal person um or paypal <laughs> but yeah i it it is funny because like 
You know what I think? Everybody's talking about Mass Effect Legendary Edition right now. And you know what I think a large part of it is? Is that people do not replay video games. They they play them and then they move on to the next thing. And they need sort of an excuse. It brings it back into popular culture. And then everyone's playing this game again. Oh, I'm going to go back and play it. Play it. As you may, I may not have mentioned it on this show, but I recently replayed Breath of the Wild with my daughter. And uh, I got to say, like, like it wasn't part of the conversation necessarily at the time I replayed it. It was just situational. But, man, did I really enjoy it. And it's just one of those things where, like, the Mass Effect trilogy happens to be a, a series of games that I replayed. Um, one and two, at least. I think I replayed them for three. Like, it's rare that that happens. And I, I always remember them looking nice like i definitely mass effect one I, I can imagine has aged and stuff but when i played it remember at the time hd was new like 720p was like the hotness like the we had 400 whatever the the regular dvd quality is and, and so i mean i thought it was amazing and it also applied a film grain sort of to make it kind of rough old vintage sci-fi uh so i always i always felt like i definitely i think of Mass Effect One is the one that played the worst, um, but as a, as a as a series, I loved it, and I can imagine I everybody you know getting back into it. But I guess Ryan, what I struggle with with stuff like this now is so you've just spent a hundred dollars Canadian essentially or close to on on a remake of games that you likely already own. But are also on Game Pass Ultimate because, like, I turned on Game Pass with, with it has EA Play and stuff, and all the Mass Effects are there, like one, two, and three. Of course, it's just the original ones. But I, for instance, own Mass Effect. Um, I own uh, so I bought Mass. I have Mass Effect one and two, one, two, and three. I think on Xbox three sixty, uh, and then I bought the Mass Effect trilogy. Um, for PC, which was like, it's the last like game I bought for PC in a box, like a physical box. I bought it at the store because I thought it was going to have all sorts of cool stuff in it. It did not. Incidentally, it was like super bare bones. It was just Mass Effect 1, 2, or 3. Had none of the DLC. It was really just like, uh, you know, it is what I expected to get the Legendary Edition or at least all the DLC. I got nothing. Um, except, you know, the PC versions of those games. And then since I've gotten copies of them, like I think on, uh, you know, I don't want to say if it's the Epic Game Sale or a free game on Origin or whatever, but I own these games multiple times over and now they're all accessible on my Xbox Series X on Game Pass. And so it is really funny because it, it's very hard for me to, to want to open up the moth-filled wallet to to uh to buy Mass Effect Legendary Edition, even though I'm sure the hours of fun you're probably having a blast and will continue to have a blast throughout the trilogy. And I did not play all the DLC. I played the the best reviewed DLC, but there's a bunch of pieces that I never played. So like there's would be new content for me there as well. So I I have this sort of cheapness thing when it comes to Mass Effect. I'm like I own these games like eight times. Don't <laughs> make me buy them again. I. I'll say this. I was hesitant to purchase the game. I really was hoping that EA Play would offer uh, their 10-hour trial for me to at least check it out because I was skeptical that the work done would bring the game 
to a to a point where you're like you feel as though oh this is a really good remaster and and they have done the work here i cannot stress this enough that they have done the work to take a 720p game bring it to 4k have it running at 60 frames um if you i i think there's a great digital foundry video where they kind of compare uh they run through the intro sections of one two and three on 360 compare it side to side with the legendary edition you can see they've done and they break it down they've done a lot of work to the ui They've done work to gunplay in Mass Effect 1 because it was the furthest behind. There's a lot of work done here, and you get that sense in the first opening act of Mass Effect 1. So I was really hoping to try that trial, um, but then when it wasn't available, and this is more of an EA play problem where EA seems to cherry pick which games they include in their trial. If I was a paying subscriber of EA play, be pretty upset knowing that they kind of go you know, they're wishy-washy on what they include. Uh, but I get it. They've been burned on the on the trials before, but it feels like this is a game where if you played 10 hours of it, you'd be like, yes, sign me up for more. And But I did purchase it, and I understand like not wanting to drop a full price on this, but it does include all the DLC. It includes all this work. And yeah, I own the games on 360, but I feel like they've done a lot of work here to really upgrade the experience and yeah i'm i'm having a really good time i never thought after finishing mass effect one i would go back and want to play it again um but i am i am committed to doing a a fem shep run through of the game i always played as as male shepherd so there's also that aspect that is new to me it's true if you only did play it once and you play, you are getting there there are so many decisions in mass effect like i went through it twice i haven't read about the alternative outcomes to things it is true that if any games had that value in the replay then mass effect would be there do you see yourself ryan playing through the entire series now in this legendary edition or do you think you're going to finish one put it aside come back to two later maybe not come back who knows i Here's the thing. I remember loving Mass Effect 1 and adoring Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 having this um, weirdness surrounding its launch. Like as soon as it launched, everyone just happened to finish it right away and they were all talking about the ending in this very negative light. So, But I think Mass Effect 2 is kind of that one experience in the trilogy that that is sort of held in very high regard without much if not any negative uh you know sort of discussions around it so am i going to play the whole thing you know all of it start to finish uh in one quote unquote like sort of sitting of playing games no like let's be honest like i'd like to move around i i I do a video game podcast so you know talking about mass effect uh, until the end of summer would would not go over well with our listeners although some might appreciate it um my plan is basically to my plan was always finish Mass Effect 1, start Mass Effect 2, get a good chunk into Mass Effect 2 just to see that core difference. Because I think that's also a really interesting point is to play Mass Effect 1 and 2 back to back and really see the sort of the the narrative jump, the gameplay jump, the systems jump, and, and see how much different those two games were when you give a developer like a chance to to complete a vision, right? And um, that's that's my plan right now, is to go into Mass Effect 2, get a good chunk of it sort of 
under my belt so that when I do return to it uh, later on in the summer and, and sort of visit it here and there, that I'll have a good idea of what I'm doing. But I am really looking forward to seeing that difference between one and two, just to kind of live it you know, back to back as opposed to waiting. It's funny you mentioned the summer just because I feel like they've released this game at the absolute perfect time in the sense that people are looking for content right now. We've hit the COVID sort of production drop and this is something that, that people have a tremendous amount of nostalgia for. Um, I think of a remaster of uh, these games uh, dropped in the middle of a major video game release period. I'm not sure how, how much attention they would get so timing for them it's great and i could see you continuing to play not just because you want to but just because there isn't a ton else going on uh right now um and and for me what that meant is i get my xbox series x and i think okay what am i going to play on this thing and um i take a look and i I hadn't really, because I had never really thought about the Xbox before, I, I, I take a look at, like, what are the games that really are, are, are going to push it? And it seems like a lot of them are games, such as, you know, either Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. There are ones that I'd have to spend another 100 bucks to buy uh, when I had this Game Pass with all these games. And uh, and so I just I just start going through the, the entire Game Pass list, and I start downloading a bunch of stuff and thinking, okay, what do I want to play? And is there a triple A game that I could get into? Because because I, I you know I wasn't trying to be able to. A little sidebar here. While waiting, and as I foreshadowed in the last episode, while waiting for the Xbox before I even bought it, I had restarted Horizon Zero Dawn, which PlayStation was giving away for free on the PS4, and I was kind of getting into it. Like I had just gotten through the intro. The intro is fairly long. It's, you know, first you're a kid and then there's, you know, there's there's a, something that happens and, and you grow up and you're, you go into this thing. And like I was just getting into the, the what I guess is the meat and potatoes of the game. And it was kind of like I was, I was getting into it and then the Xbox arrived and I said, well, this garbage game can go in the garbage trash. I got my new hotness. And so I, you know, get, get the Xbox going and wait, for, uh, you know, five days for Ryan Murphy to send messages back to tell me how to get a good deal. Then then I uh, then I start downloading these games. And um, one that stands out to me is Control, which is one that I missed. But IGN, I think, gave it their game of the year in 2019, which wasn't necessarily a strong game, year for games. But uh, I downloaded Control and I, I started to play it. Ryan, have you played control i'm assuming for the gamers in that you would have played it i'm not sure if you would have seen it all the way through or if you would have just dabbled in it did you play control i loved control oh man you oh. picked such a great game to play to to kick off your next generation of uh of excellence or or no wait you're playing it on pc i missed that i thought is, is it on game no Pass I, ultimate it's on so here is the thing ryan and this is where like we just talked about how mass effect is on game pass ultimate but not the legendary edition you know and i just see how this can be so damn confusing because control i was like that's that's one of the reasons i never got it on my pc was because i felt my pc wouldn't be able to handle it really it's supposedly a fairly high performing game and so i'm, I'm gonna get it on this new hot shot console and I downloaded it on Game Pass. Turns out, as I'm waiting for it to download, I, I just run some Google searches because I have my spider sense is tingling. And it turns out I was right. That Control on Game Pass is the Xbox One version of the game. But 
that there is an enhanced version for Xbox Series X. Um, and that version in, is called the Ultimate Edition. And it includes, like I guess, both DLC packs and enhancements for Xbox Series X to make it really nice and pretty for Xbox Series X. But it is not on Game Pass. Only the vanilla Xbox One version is on Game Pass. So if I wanted that Ultimate Edition with the Xbox Series X enhancements, it would cost... 100 bucks or like 70 whatever like 79 like it's a new game you know um and and to make matters worse almost to kick me in the balls additionally it was a it was the ps plus or playstation game of the month uh so the ultimate edition was yeah last month or something or this month so if you have a playstation 5 or whatever you can get the ultimate edition for free of control. Whereas I could not, I would have had to have spent $80 for like the control ultimate edition, which wouldn't necessarily have been a problem. You just told me what a great game it is, but the Xbox one version was right there to download on game pass. So I'm just like, well, I'm just going to play the Xbox one version. I don't even know if I'm going to like this that much. I just, I just download this version of it. So I'm playing that version of the game, but it does irk me that I do have this new super powerful console. There is a version of the game that would perform greater on it, but it is not the one on game pass. I'll I'll say this as someone who did get the uh, ultimate version on the PlayStation five through, through PlayStation plus I've played, I played and beat control on PC. Um, I didn't have, you know, the settings all ratcheted up, but I think I was running around like a 45 frames per second. Not great, but you know, with G-Sync, it worked quite well. But, um, you know, the Xbox One version, probably locked at 30 frames, has uh, sort of lower visual quality. However, I played the Ultimate version, and like when you run it, um, there's two modes to it. So the big deal with these next-gen consoles is, is ray tracing, 60 frames per second, 4K, and sort of a combination of those three. And Control does not have a mode that offers ray tracing 4K and 60 frames. The ray tracing is like a dynamic resolution with 30 frames per second. So, but the most fun I've had playing Control on the PS5 has been at the 60 frames uh, per second mode. So that all being said, you're losing the visual appeal uh, of the next gen and you're just playing basically the Xbox one version at a higher frame rate. So I think that game, I I do not understand frame rates. Like sometimes I get it, but like when it's like, Oh, this is 120 instead of 60. And this is 60. Like, I guess 30 to 60, maybe I can see something, but really like I, I, I've not got gotten that, that, that much. So like it, it is, I don't really care so much about that. And if anything, the game has played very well. Like I, I don't see any, you know, issue of it, but you're right. It doesn't look like I've been playing horizon on my OLED 4k TV and horizon looks better, but it's a more colorful game. Yeah. Control. And here's the thing. Control might've had, it probably did have Xbox one X enhancements. So your series X is taking advantage of that. So you are getting next to the best version but the ultimate edition of control wasn't necessarily reviewed well from a standpoint of like this is an amazing collection it's essentially a repackaging of control with the dlc to be playable native on the ps5 and xbox series of consoles so 
you playing the Game Pass version of Control, if not just to check it out, but even to beat the whole thing, it's not crazy. Like, it's not... It feels wrong, but it really isn't that bad. I, I You're not missing a crazy amount here like and that's why i'm like settled in i'm settled into it now let, having mentioned that that quirk which is going to bother me all the time on all a bunch of <laughs> different games i will say that it hasn't really sunk its hooks into me uh and uh i i i think Part of that is due to the the just absolute wealth of content that I have. Part of it is because I think Horizon had, and then I was artificially pulling myself away from a game I wanted to play to try something new because it was on my new console. I think part of it has to do with the aesthetics of Control, which is, I will be honest, um, it is set in a, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know Control, it is made by... Um, uh, it is a game made by a Remedy who made Max Payne and mo- more relevantly, Alan Wake, uh, which was an Xbox 360 game, uh, heavily inspired by Twin Peaks. This is the same sort of inspiration from Twin Peaks. Very odd, very weird, uh, but it forsakes sort of the western coast of the United States uh, and in favor of um, a-, a brutalist... New York City architecture building. Uh, and uh, I worked a lot of my career in a brutalist concrete behemoth um, in Gatineau, Quebec. And I will be honest, this building reminds me a lot of it. And that doesn't make me want to play it. Um, and so, uh, so it, it, <laughs> it, it, it is, it is very much like I'm, I'm, I'm running around this, 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 this building and and i won't reveal it but there's like all sorts of action and and twists and and it plays very well and it is a fun game to play um it is very mysterious in the twin peak way like it gives you the everybody speaks in riddles and there's the world building is very interesting and again like i very much enjoyed alan wake and i could see myself getting into this and i had one evening i played it three evenings and I had one evening where it sort of like it clicked a little bit and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to play more of this. But it's like even the different environments you go to are all variants of the same brutalist building. And at a certain point, it beats you down to to the point of like, I would like to play something more colorful. And I have been, and I won't talk about it this time, playing a little bit of the Ori games with my daughter. Uh, and they are so colorful and whimsical to then then go to play Control. Even Horizon is is, is so um, colorful. And I get that they made their artistic choices. It's just, I guess maybe it's, it's it's wearing on me and it has kind of pushed me away. But you, Ryan, saying about how how good it is, like I'm going to try to push through. I think to try to uh, to try to get into this game. Yeah, I really liked it. You know, it kind of reminded me of um, sort of a Half Life feel um from a from a standpoint of like this quirky sort of secret side of the world where i know um half-life is sort of a post-apocalyptic sort of like game but it really felt like a mixture of of like a valve traditional valve game from a story perspective and from a from a world perspective and then uh in like the other great remedy styles of alan wake and stuff and and actually uh, you know, Control is a part of the Alan Wake universe. Alan Wake is referenced. Um, there's a DLC 
surrounding where Alan Wake is and what's what he's been up to. So there is a Remedy universe that Remedy is working on, and it's uh, it's it's actually really really cool. And yeah, I I think Control is a great game if you haven't played it before. You know what? Speaking of Mass Effect, that's the other thing it reminds me of. The gunplay and powers really remind me of the later Mass Effect games, uh, specifically Mass Effect Three. So. I don't know if you've gotten far enough. That is so true. Like I've just gotten to the point where I have the push teleport, uh, you know, the push, the push uh, skill, the telekinesis. You're absolutely right. It does play very similar to uh, similar to that. And again, like I, the, I find myself actively looking forward to the the combat uh, pieces. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, Definitely not against the game. It just hasn't clicked, and I'm really looking for something. And, and you know, as I've mentioned on the show before, I'm looking for something to unwind with, and it, it, it does, you know, ratchets up the tension enough. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I've also downloaded an eclectic mix of uh, Xbox Game Pass games that I've just, like, jumped in a little bit, tried a little bit here, a little bit there. Some games that I th- I can foresee myself wanting to play when the, uh, like, Sea of Thieves, uh, when the opportunity arise was with people that I want to play with. So I downloaded them just to, to have them on the console. It is so cool, like, how, how, like, you can quick resume and jump between all these games and download them and, and, and still have so much room on your hard drive. And, yeah, like, I, I, I'm very much enjoying this system, even though I haven't found or or touched on anything that makes it feel so different like um my wife was downstairs at one point and i had just switched from horizon uh over to the xbox and she was like how is this any better and i'm I, <laughs> and, and i'm like it's really not it's the same um, it's all the and, same uh, these days like i i think that well it, yeah you know it, it's often been that like i remember i had um i was working for nintendo years ago when the gamecube launched and uh the staff i i was um uh, you know the only really nerd gamer on the on the staff and uh i had a dreamcast and nobody else had a dreamcast right and so i would play the dreamcast fairly often because the dreamcast every you know it was playstation one and and nintendo 64 which uh, if you don't recall is like vaseline slathered all over your screen and then there's the dreamcast and you know there were games like jet set radio and all of this it just looked so unbelievable compared to anything that that existed at that time and and, um you know the nintendo folks were training staff and they were telling them about the gamecube and how insane it was going to be and and like how the graphics were going to be out of this world they were giving us all the key messages for promotion and all of that and um when i remember two of the staff members when we got the gamecubes they were playing them and they're like how is this better than what you're normally playing the dreamcast you know and i'm like oh it's not it's the same uh, you know, it's just that mine was out first, like, uh, but they had bought into the, you know, bought into the hype. And to a certain extent, like we're now we're at a point of complete diminished returns when we're talking about ray tracing and how many, K, you know, frames per second. Just when you were talking about the Mass Effect trilogy and you and I had that interaction where I, I said, like, you know, if somebody walked up to me playing Horizon and somebody walked up to you playing the Mass Effect trilogy and, and you asked them, which one is the new generation game? Well, they would probably horizon because it is a newer game like the original game is a newer game it looks nicer it looks like a and so um 
so it's just a weird we find ourselves in a weird place but the quality of life improvements on the xbox series x are just out of this world and now i just like my pc is in a weird place now because you know as we've talked about i have like a 970 graphics card and it, it just feels like like i you know i don't see myself going back to my pc with game pass being what it is unless it's like a really sort of you know experience that's designed solely for pc um I, with the Xbox Series X is now my most powerful piece of hardware. I I don't know how long it will last that way before before you know video cards are more accessible, but it is and that's cool anyway. Um, enough about Xbox Series X, Ryan. Did you want to uh, did you want to move into the next part of the dungeons for you before I uh, I have a couple of non video game related things as well to share? Yeah, I have a couple of quick fire sort of recommendations uh, i've talked about kim's convenience on the podcast before i wanted to follow up ashley and i have made it through the entire uh five season run of kim's convenience and you may be wondering wait it's not the final season isn't on netflix yet you're right it isn't it's coming june 2nd however in canada you can watch season five of kim's convenience on cbc gem it is ad supported but it allowed us to finish up Kim's, Kim's Convenience, which we have been really enjoying. Like every episode is just hilarious, positive, and just you, there's no, uh, I will say this, like they're really great episodes. There are good episodes, but there are no bad episodes. Like it's the typical, at least what's produced now from Canadian comedy series is the sort of 20 minute run. 12 episode season so it's all really tight uh yes it's over before you before you realize it but uh it's all really good stuff so if you have not watched kim's convenience yet definitely check it out and you'll have the whole series on netflix um on june 2nd when they add that fifth season uh i don't know crofton have you had a chance to jump in yet or what once they add it to Netflix, what you're saying, Ryan, is it will stop being so Kim's inconvenient. Am I right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The CBC Gem app is not the greatest. So if you are in Canada and you're thinking, oh, I didn't know that, um, you know, I we would watch some episodes on the iPad, uh, which was not great, but some episodes we watched on the Amazon Fire Stick, which worked okay, worked quite well. But uh, it says it supports AirPlay too, but it it's really janky. So, um, yeah, wait for Netflix maybe. I, I've mentioned this on the show before, and it, I really like. I, I'm really starting to recognize that my brain is absolutely broken, and I need to I need to get over it. And I'm I'm not sure that Shit's Creek is going to do it, and maybe Kim's Convenience will be the one that does it. The idea that I grew up in a generation where Canadian TV was garbage especially especially sitcoms like things that were supposed aping on what was on tv on the states yes you could find good things like kids in the hall and all of that that were that were different but like sitcoms a canadian sitcom oh my god roll your eyes right <laughs> and so so i have discriminated against both Shit's creek and kim's convenience for that very reason growing up in Canada and like despite all the awards they they may win or recognition that they get and so I am committed to getting past this prejudice and uh, I'm not I'm not like Schitt's Creek has been a hard sell for for my wife and stuff a little bit she's like ah, I don't know but 
Kim's convenience feels like it might go down easier. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a maybe if I can get past my prejudices. Yeah, I I, I see that for sure. Like I I struggle with that as well because like I I gave Canadian television a chance um, before. <laughs> uh shit's creek like and I, it broke my heart <laughs> i watched corner gas when it originally aired and it was like for where i lived um when i was a kid we got three channels you know and we didn't have cable so really canadian television especially on cbc was really one of our one of three options we had tvo which was mostly pub basically public programming and uh some kids shows and then you had cbc which was all canadian stuff and sports and then you had um, four channels, CTV and Global. CTV and Global would get a lot of American programming in the evenings. Um, but yeah, like there was a lot of Canadian programming. Uh, and more recently, before Shit's Creek and Kim's Convenience, I watched Heartland with Ashley. And uh, yeah, well-produced show, but very Canadian and not in a good way. And it's just not my type of show. Uh, I, I fell out of it pretty hard because it became like the show of like, all right, who's going to get upset at who this time? Oh, which horse has the problem this time? It's it's pretty predictable. Yeah, yeah. I, my, my wife watched that one, actually. Like, that was on Netflix as well. You're right. And they have a zillion ep- seasons and episodes of that. Yes. Yeah. There, and don't get me wrong. There's always been the niche Canadian. I mentioned Kids in the Hall, but like Trailer Park Boys, like all these, all these sort of niche shows that were like kind of low budget and that you would laugh at. But the ones that they that were the mainstream, like CBC's got a new sitcom and it's you know, and you're like, oh god, yeah, yeah. Well, what's this going to be? So no, anyway, I, I I mentioned this before on the show. I am I'm committed to surpassing uh, my prejudices. One thing. Ryan, I will say, is a um, is a show that uh, I also had to pass a couple of prejudices to uh, to thoroughly enjoy was uh, a podcast that I am I, I listened to this past week. Uh, it's called Smartless, um, and I had not heard of this podcast before. Uh, one of my pet peeves with podcasts. Um, is that I feel in in what I call somewhat the Joe Rogan effect of it all, which is that if you are a celebrity, B-list, C-list, D-list celebrity, and you got in particularly at the podcast boom period where like, you know, they were a new thing and you, you tried it out, your celebrity guaranteed that you were going to have a certain amount of listeners. Um, and uh, that was you know that's the way of things whatever that's the way of things but people that were trying to break through or whatever were having to compete with these celebrities um and uh you know i think of like what's the the guy who worked with jimmy kimmel there um he had his own show the i i forget his name probably for the best um and and still has a successful podcast but again it was like he was a guy that that just started early Fairly early, and uh, anyway, this this new show that I'm into is three celebrities talking, and honestly, like that is, you know, you would think the last thing would draw my attention. Ryan, have you heard of Smartless before? Yeah, I think the reason I heard about it is because I think it may have been Sean Hayes was on the Conan O'Brien podcast, which falls into the same category that you're describing, where. I don't like talk shows. I don't 
not big on celebrities. I, I like celebrities, but I don't necessarily need to listen to their podcasts. Um, but Conan just, he, his humor connected with me through the, through his podcast where he interviews celebrities. And, um, I don't think I skipped an episode since I kind of listened to my, you know, the, my favorites of the back catalog. So like, I have heard of it and I haven't, I haven't jumped on it, but it feels like I like Jason Bateman and Will Arnett, um, Sean Hayes. Yeah. No problem with him either, but, um, so yeah. So the Conan O'Brien needs a friend podcast is, is is, I've listened to a couple of episodes about it from it as well. And, And like the thing about it is, is he does have a couple of folks that work on his staff, uh, that he does the show with. And then he's got a, um, and then he brings in a person and he has a conversation with them. So um, Spartless is not so different from that in many ways, except the power imbalance that, that exists on Conan's show. So Conan's staff, as much as he jokes about it, it's the, there are two staff members that work with him and that he has power over them, essentially. It's on an e- equal basis. And, and and they make jokes t- uh, of that nature on that show. And then when, when they bring in someone, like he has a conversation with them, the idea is like Conan needs, you know, um, you know, the, the ostensibly he's looking for a friend, but really it's just going to, he's just going to have these conversations and it's doubtful that it's going to lead, you know, to, to anything more per se. Um, it's just sort of a conceit for the show. So or Smartless, the, the difference is that it's these three guys you mentioned. So Jason Bateman, child actor, became uh, famous again in the early 2000s for Arrested Development, has now been in every movie imaginable, including Ozark on Netflix as a, a TV series. Um, one of his co-stars in Arrested Development, the voice of BoJack Horseman and uh, one of the funniest guys, uh, like uh, whenever he's a cameo on anything, I'm watching Third Rock now. He's had a guest appearances on that, and he's hilarious. His name Will Arnett, and he plays Job on Arrested Development, and um, and then Sean Hayes, who's from w- Will and Grace, and he was Jack on Will and Grace, who's the most flamboyantly gay um, uh, character on that show, and um, I guess the three of them are friends in real life. And you definitely feel it a lot between the two Arrested Development guys uh, that they are like really like they're talking about texts they send each other and they're just so they are friends. Unlike the Conan show, like where it's like they you know their staff and there's these are three friends. And um, I I kind of like it's like good, bad, or bullshit. My old show, except with celebrities. Uh, and so and instead of drawing a random topic every week. One of the three of them brings a guest to the table and the other two have no idea who that guest is going to be. And that guest is always a celebrity, essentially, or somebody that is well-known. Not always an actor, but like somebody who's who is well-known. So there is a certain... A hilarity from that like it's like oh they're they're trying to figure out who's it going to be and they they have quite the the black book of contacts because like i i've only listened to two episodes but i've gone through the list and they all seem like you know fairly big stars or notable people and uh it is just really fun because there is the interview with the person and the person generally lets loose and and they're not always there to promote something or whatever but they, they might be but there's also lots of burning each other and uh, and I find that hilarious. It's my type of humor. Um, they are very witty, um, all three of them. But again, like Sean Hayes, I don't know what I expected, but he is he is not with Jack from uh, Will and Grace, he, which would have been obnoxious to listen to. He is very quiet. He's by far the quietest of the three. 
Um, but when he when he asks questions and he makes jokes, they're 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 very good. Will Arnett is is loud and brash. Uh, he's Canadian and uh, and lots of jokes about Canada and stuff like that, and, and really really entertaining. And Jason Bateman, who often plays the straight man and has grown up in Hollywood, is really funny. Like is really quick on his toes. Lots of lots of good stuff. They all lean into it very well, and they they. It, it's just a really, really entertaining listen. If I have to criticize anything, it's it has an excessive amount of commercials. But with podcasts, <laughs> you're able to fast forward those um, quite a bit. And there is a bit of humor to be found in Will Arnett, who has a very hilarious and distinctive voice, voice of Lego Batman and others, lending his pipes to some of these commercials. Um so so uh, really uh really good good show to watch and one one of the things i like uh listen to rather and one of the things i like is that they they burn each other because um they they're all they've all been in horrible movies and uh i'm i'm not even aware of the breadth of the horrible content that they've been part of in their career and that is funny you know like they won't they, they they won't make digs at their best things. They'll make digs at like some of the you know. Sean Hayes was in like a movie based on the Three Stooges or whatever. Uh, um, Will Arnett was uh, in in this movie called G Force, a CG movie about hamsters, where he yeah. voiced one of the hamsters. <laughs> just there's just uh, Michael Justin Bateman. Uh, I call them the rest of development characters, but Justin Bateman was was in uh, famously when Michael J. Fox didn't continue with the role was in teen uh teen wolf 2 in the 80s um and uh and so there's lots of jokes about teen wolf 2 um but yeah no just a, it's a good show and i gave it a lot of air on this show promoting it but it's rare that i find something that in in these cold and sullen times that makes me uh laugh so much so heartily recommend that one it's called smartless okay quick question about smartless um if if someone were to look to get into it, and I and I did this with the Conan Needs a Friend podcast, where I was thinking, okay, I want to try to check this out. Is it recommended to kind of find a couple episodes with celebrities you do enjoy, as opposed to just picking a rando, or should I just start with? I think the most re- recent episode is uh, Jake Tapper, although that would work because he's yeah. he's also. And this is the thing that it feels like the they share guests with Conan. Because I think Conan just had Jake Tapper on, or maybe he's doing a book tour. I'm not sure, but T- Tapper is doing a book tour, okay. and uh, and uh, yeah, I listened to that one first, and it was really good. I also like Jake Tapper. I've seen him on a lot of shows and stuff, and I, I find him he's a quick wit too. And then I listened to the one previous, uh, which was Zach Galifianakis, who incidentally, you know, like known for his breakout roles in the Hangover movies. I hadn't seen him too much lately. It turns out that he is essentially retired and a recluse a little bit in British Columbia. Oh. I didn't know that so they kind of dug him out of the woods you know remember it's a surprise guest so he wasn't promoting anything and he was they were talking about the nature of fame a little bit and it was kind of interesting but um i would say like probably listen to whatever episode you want i will say i i read some of the criticism about the show that they could be too fawning on their guests and i didn't find they were that way with jack tapper but they, i could see it for sure you know uh so um so maybe go with the more like any podcast go with the more recent episodes but uh yeah it's a it's a good listen it it makes me laugh and honestly like uh when i was going through the xbox past uh xbox 
Game Pass games the other night. I was just sort of sitting there and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to listen to a podcast while I do this. I'll put on another one of the Smartless episodes. And then next thing you know, I'd listen to the whole thing. So, I mean, it definitely goes down easy. Well, I'm, I'll check it out for sure. Um, I'm curious. You also have a book here, uh, the Press Reset book. Um, I didn't read it. Now, this is his newest. This is Jason Schreier's newest book. I think I have his first book and I haven't been able to find the time to read it. But I am curious about this new one. I will save some of this for next time because I just started. I've read the first uh, chapter, which is on Warren Spector, uh, who is the creator of Deus Ex and Ep- Epic Mickey. Um, but I, I will say that so Jason Trier, a games journalist, has done uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which is a book where each chapter profiled the development of a game. It's a really, really good read. Um, I highly recommend it. You can even if you don't want to read the whole thing, you can just like pick a game. Uh, people say the best chapter is the Stardew Valley chapter. It's funny Gwen's playing Stardew Valley right now, but that is really compelling because it's one guy who made that game, so his story is very easy to follow and it's a good story in that in the blood, sweat, and pixels. But the the behind the scenes on the development of Uncharted Four and all of this stuff is 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 really cool as well. This new book by Jason Schreier, Press Reset, is is about careers in the video game industry and people in, in general, whereas his last one was focused on these games, told through the eyes of people for sure. This one is really much focused on the people and, and their experiences and and how how the video game industry can just like chew them up and spit them out and, and how they can come back from that. Now, um, again, like... I am not too far in it, so I'm I'm sure I'm going to come back to it. But what I wanted to stress here was like something that I haven't heard a lot of uh, when talking about this book is the way that it is written. Because both this book and Blood, Sweat, and Pixels are extremely, in my opinion, well written, and they're written in a way. Um, that I appreciate because my day job is to sort of make complex information palatable for Canadians. And I use an approach called storytelling uh, and and it involves um, identifying characters and, and, and having events happen through their eyes that readers are able to identify with. Jason Trier does a masterful job of that. And that's what I want to sort of draw attention to because people talk about this book. You don't need to enjoy video games to enjoy this book. It's written in a way that that it helps to do, but but he introduces everything, explains it very well, sets the narrative. Um, and uh, for me, the first chapter on, on Warren Spector was very interesting personally because Deus Ex is one of my all-time favorite games and I, I think highly of Warren Spector and to, to hear sort of like how both you know it came together his career came together especially in the nascent days of of 3D video games and how how you're constantly having to secure funding and you're constantly having to do this the challenges and how he overcomes them and how Studios close and all this really well put together. And uh, around the time that I read Blood, Sweater, Pixels, I was reading another book called uh, Console Wars, uh, which is um, being subsequently turned into a, a television series. And it was about the uh, SNES and, and Genesis Wars of the 16-bit era. It was told in a way that I just could not read the book. It made me almost physically ill to read the book, the writing style. What it was, was it essentially was written 
as a fiction, a, a novel, like, uh, and it was written through the eyes of a person, but the author wasn't that person. He interviewed the per- the people, but like he's he's projecting so much that it was bothering me. It was like you know, John thought, is this the career that he wanted for himself? But he didn't know he would have to consult with his wife. But he knew she jumped to conclusions. Maybe she would turn on this, but he wasn't sure. You know, it's written in is written in a way that like a novel would be written in, but it wasn't. It was a nonfiction. And I, I'm just like, how would this guy know all this stuff? He's he's just like extrapolating. And sure enough, I read about uh, the writing of the novel and he's like, yeah, I took a bunch of creative liberties. And I'm like, well, I don't want to read your creative liberty book. I want to read what actually happened. And Jason Schreier's books are that. They're what happened, but they also are through the eyes of a character and through the interviews. So it's very, very, it goes down very easy. The language is very plain. Like he do, he doesn't take, he doesn't presume that you know what he's talking about. And even as somebody who often does know what he's talking about, I find that really fun to read because he explains everything so well. So yeah, anyway, so far so good. Um, but uh, I, I'll come back with the full sort of verdict at the end and I'll tell you how it compares to the last book. But if you have Blood, Sweater, Pixels, I can't say enough. Like that book holds up really well. You can just pick a chapter and, and, and dig in. You, you can open it up anywhere and, and not necessarily lose the plot. Yeah. I mean, I love behind the scenes sort of look at the video game industry. So I, I'm, I honestly don't know what's holding me. I think, I think really it is the aspect of just, um, not being able to focus on reading books. I haven't been able to do that for like a decade and it really is sad. Um, but on occasion books do break through. I read the, uh, ask, Iwata book, uh, it was really good. I love Nintendo. I loved uh, Iwata's time with the company, so it was a really good read. And that one was also very much based on interviews and and really uh, blog posts by Iwata and, and, and sort of interviews with Iwata, so it was really good. So yeah, I do have Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. I like Drace, Jason Schreier's work. Um, I do need to dig into it. So you've you've convinced me. You've peer pressured me into reading again. Although the problem is I have it on, I think I have it on um, Apple Books. So that's my my core concern is like, I, I was like, I kind of want to get back into reading, but I don't want to do the ebook version. <laughs> you know, I want a physical product, but all the ebook versions are, uh, this is going to make me sound cheap, but all the ebook versions are cheaper, are less expensive. Yeah. No, I know, and and like I mean, I I'm reading physical books for these for these ones, which is kind of funny because it is a very like advanced like it feels like something that you'd be fine to read in an ebook. I just would say like like I get it, I get it being tough to get back into reading, especially if you haven't for a while. But if you go to a site like IGN or Polygon and you read a long piece. I would say that this is not so dissimilar. It's more, it's better written in that it flows and and, and you're hanging on for a story. But they're like short stories, the Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. So, no, definitely worth picking up. And sometimes Blood, Sweat, and Pixels in particular gets really cheap and hard copy. And and I know that uh, probably to promote the new book, it will likely go down in price as well. So, if you really want a hard copy, I'm sure you can find one out there. Anyway, uh, so. That's my dungeons. I got my control and my Xbox Series X. I got my podcast, new podcast I'm listening to. And I got my new book I'm reading. So look, I'm a renaissance man, Ryan. 
Yeah, you did. You you covered all all the toppings of geek culture in various mediums, so can't go wrong with that. Uh, but we should move into the diapers. We've got diapers to change. Uh, this is a, a two-part podcast, so we've left some room for diapers. We have we have left some room for diapers. I'll just say I don't have a ton in in, in the um, diapers. I do have one sort of kid story I'll share with you in a second, but I've, I've been talking enough here. Why don't you unload in your diapers for me? <laughs> God, that is not going to be our transition every episode uh but uh i will say this um i've i've had this one for a while so with the kids we've um i wanted to introduce uh you know movie i love movies uh i love watching movies and i always wanted the kids to to really get into watching watching movies with us and we would do movie nights which was basically every thursday we would have a pizza and we would watch a movie i'd you know, prop up the iPad on the on the kitchen table, and we would watch a movie. But the core issue was that the kids wouldn't eat; they'd just watch the movie. They'd sit there and watch the movie. They'd have a great time; it'd be very engaging. Um, but we we it basically boiled down to Ashley and I saying, "Come on, guys, remember to eat. Remember to eat." So we did that for quite a while before we realized, like, okay, this isn't necessarily fun for everyone, and mainly uh, Ashley and I. So we, we changed it. We changed it to movie matinees. Um, so usually on Saturday, on the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, uh, we'd go into the basement, we'd put a movie on on the TV, and we would all watch, you know, a movie, and we would have snacks and stuff, like chips or, you know, like going to the movie theaters, we would have, have snacks. And uh, that worked a hell of a lot better because not only are the kids and we're all enjoying the movie, but the kids are eating because it's basically junk food. It's like, chips or popcorn or whatever and um we we've really enjoyed that change i think it's worked well for everybody uh and it and it also allows us to have a bit of a treat a bit of a break on on the weekend uh especially when we are running around all week and and all weekend for that matter so it guarantees like a couple hours of quiet time on the weekend when we pack so much else in there uh so the movie we watched most recently that I wanted to sort of suggest, and really it's been out on Netflix for a while that I'm sure most people have already checked it out, but the Mitchells versus the Machines, if you're looking for a movie to watch with your kids, you've probably already watched this because it's been everywhere in terms of a marketing standpoint, but uh, it is the um, next movie from the Into the Spider-Verse sort of animation studio, Sony Animation, and from the creative duo of, uh, is it Phil? It's like Chris and Phil. One of them's named Lord. Are they both? Are they brothers? I, I'm I'm unsure as to whether they're related or just two good producer friends. Um, Sorry, I had to sneeze there. It was uh, Chris, Chris Lord, and uh, oh, I'm not going to help you here. Chris and <laughs> Phil Lord. Ah. I get it. The Lego movie and Spider-Verse guys. Yeah, and you you I'm I'm looking up into the Spider-Verse right now to figure this out. Um which which is not helping for some reason. Oh, here we go. Into the Spider-Verse. Uh oh, it's not even listing them. That's freaking fantastic. It's it is oh, Phil Lord and uh Christopher Miller. And yes, you mentioned the Lego movies and this really feels more in line with the Lego movies humor uh where it is very quirky. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to say, but very animated. It is an animated film, but you can you can understand when you see this, and that it is very 
the characters over animate. It's very funny. Uh, it's very silly. And the kids loved it. And uh, yeah, it was, and I loved it too. It was really great. Um, not going to lie, you know, cried at a few moments. It's very, very heartfelt. Um, and, you know, I'm just sitting there with my gummy bears and I'm crying into them. And the kids look at me and it's like, why are you crying? It's like, it's just such a good movie. And also, this is the sad part. Plus, these aren't gummy bears. These are sour candies. Uh, but really, it's a great film. Honestly, you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it yet. And I think uh, I think Gwen would adore it because it's got it's got a lot of it's just got a lot of great stuff in there. It's essentially a movie about um, this really quirky family, and the daughter like really wants to go to college, and uh, essentially uh, she's moving across the country to go to college. The father like does something where he. Um, he upsets the daughter and the daughter's like, man, I can't wait to leave. And then he, to make up for it, says like, oh, I canceled your plane tickets. We're going to drive across the country together, have one big family sort of outing before you go away to college and leave us for what probably is forever, considering they're not getting along. And really it evolves from that into um, robots taking over the world. And the Mitchells are the only ones that can save it. And it is on Netflix natural transition there yeah yeah i mean it works really well and it is it is really good it's kind of it's one of those movies where after you watch it you kind of feel and i don't know if you feel this sometimes but sometimes you watch something on netflix and you're like kind of feel bad that it's on netflix i kind of feel bad that i'm not i don't know if i feel bad for me or feel bad for the creators i know they're all getting compensated but there's a big story to that movie. It was not supposed to be on Netflix. And I know that. Um, yeah, for sure. It, it, it was it was supposed to be in theaters and there was a uh, there was a, a studio purchase. There was all sorts of stuff that led to it being released on Netflix. But it, yeah, it is intended to be a big tentpole like summer release type thing. So I, I you know, I get that I'm, I do find that we're in a situation now where um, if it wasn't for the kids, I'm not even sure if I'd stay subscribed to Netflix uh, because I don't watch much on it as an adult. I'm, I'm watching, you know, Amazon Prime. I'm watching Disney Plus. Um, I'm not watching a ton on Netflix right now other than kid shows, which watch on loop on rotation and so i mean we obviously are never going to cancel netflix for that very reason but yeah when they're i i don't associate it with quality i guess is what i'm saying and so it is really great i appreciate when somebody says like no this thing is good you should check it out and the fact that we could watch it with our kids we have been sort of like as much as i've been big on playing games with gwen we have been kind of negligent on movies in particular clara is three Getting her to sit down for any length of time has, is, you know, challenging. She's at the point now where I think that she could get into a movie. The one that she likes is The Grinch, um, and it's on Netflix. And it's the exact type of film that I would think would be on Netflix, like kind of a half-assed, you know, DreamWorks type movie, not not the full Disney, if, to, to put it in in the parlance of our times. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'll keep an eye out on this one. Seriously, uh, much more chances of me watching that than, uh, than Kim's convenience. Sorry, Kim's convenience. <laughs> well, I do recommend it. I think it's, it, I, I, Abby really liked it too. So I've, uh, and you know, there, she's a little closer in age to, to Clara. So I think that, uh, I, I, I think that she would enjoy it as well. There's a, 
like I said, it's very animated. It's there's not much slowness to it. It's always moving. So I feel like uh, it's perfect for kids. And there's stuff there for adults too. Like it's it's like a, a solid Pixar type film where the kids can enjoy it, the adults can enjoy it, and it's just good family fun. Um, but I'm I'm curious. You have kid politics here. That does not sound like family fun. Not it's not family fun. It's um essentially uh this is this is the thing because I was trying to think of the diaper section. What's been going on with the kids that I would highlight? Because my kids are you know Gwen is is six and a half. She's killing the e learning. She's doing great. Yeah, she wants COVID to be over. Obviously, there's not really much don't we all in terms of milestones to to, to recognize. You know, Clara is, is is super fun, leaps and bounds, growing every day. She's kind of like, you know, more or less potty trained. She wears a diaper at night, but like generally is 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 a is mostly potty trained during the day. She sleeps all night. I don't have the sleep issues that someone like Ryan's got. So like there's not there's not a ton there. Um they're just awesome, honestly. M- mostly they're awesome. The one thing that has been tough is COVID is has dragged on and we've gone into an e-learning situation in Ontario. Um there's no no more school uh, other than the virtual school, which means no recess, which means that Gwen is not playing with kids her age. And it, it's really, you know, it's really wearing on her. And so uh, we started to befriend like neighbors and stuff. And we see them every day. And there's some kids, including um, uh, a couple of girls that were friends and uh, on the street. And one of them is Gwen's age. And one is a bit, a bit younger, like between Gwen and Clara almost. And... Uh, the one that's that's Gwen's age and Gwen uh, play a lot and the, every day now they're playing and she's coming over to our backyard or they're playing on the street. And what we're dealing with, and, and the reason I wrote kid politics here is it's more kind of like mean girl stuff. This girl is very nice a lot of the time, but she knows how to play the two girls, the girl that she used to play with and Gwen against each other. Um, essentially like she'll come knocking and, and tell Gwen that she wants Gwen to do something like, I don't want you to bring that teddy bear or I don't want you to do this. And then if Gwen does it, she's like, fine, I'm going to go play with the other girl. And then she'll, she'll leave. And then Gwen will start crying and be like, what do I do? And I want to, you know, like, and, and, uh, and so it's very frustrating because this child, is not our child, you know, she's in, she has her parents and like at a certain point, like, you know, um, I, I don't really know what to do. And also she's, she's a big liar. She invents stories and just lies all the time to, to a comical extent. Like it's very hilarious. Like Gwen was telling her about Stardew Valley and she was explaining how she's, she's so done with Stardew Valley. She's on Stardew Valley three right now and it's so much better. And there's all this great stuff. And, uh, she's saying how like you can have, Ben's just had a baby in Stardew Valley and she's like, well, it's Stardew Valley three. You can have like multiple babies and you can customize all their clothes and their hair and all of this stuff. And I'm like working on stuff in the garage and I'm hearing this and I, and I, and I look up and I'm like, this is bullshit. She's completely lying. <laughs> and if that game existed, I would really want it. But, but, um, but yeah, so, so, so it's just like, I, I say it's like politics where I just find my daughter and everybody thinks about their kids this way. I just find that she's such, of pure heart and is so trusting and she's hanging on this kid's lying every word and she's just hanging on it like it's complete truth you know and then and then when when the 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 kid says 
you know, I, I don't want to play with you. I'm going to play with this other person that just devastates uh, Gwen. And, 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 and honestly, the other girl is the one that is getting like, cause she was the younger one. And, and, her, you know, she's essentially chopped liver now because the older girl just wants to play with Gwen and she tries to convince Gwen to hide from the younger the, the younger girl who's like left out. And it's just like a mean girl type thing. And I, I you know, they're only six and it's it's just it I, it breaks my heart. And I don't you know, I don't necessarily know how to do with it. The only thing you can deal with is your own child. And so I, we talk to Gwen, we tell her, you know, it's not right to hide from from your friends. And, you know, it's not a game if everybody's not aware that they're playing and, you know. Be, be aware that so-and-so tells lies all the time, you know, like <laughs> that sort of, that sort of stuff. So that's what friends and ass that that's the thing is, is that she's not uniformly. It's like, I'm presenting all the things that are challenging, but like sometimes they're just running through the sprinkler and they're playing imagination stories and all of this. And I'm listening and I'm smiling and it's all great. And it's not like, it's not something that I want to put a, a, a kibosh on entirely, but there are issues there are issues there, and that's why I, I use the the larger term of kid politics because it's just like you know, it, she's she she feels like she's playing everyone against each other, and I don't like that, and I haven't quite figured out how to deal with it yet. But anyway, it is it is uh, it is what it is. Watch everybody on the street be listening to this podcast, and I just <laughs> didn't know it. They're like, well, Did hey, often does a podcast. I, I think like so there's a couple things that pop into my mind is like at age six if if I, I know kids are capable of some incredibly awesome and heinous things but at age six it just feels like wow like that's crazy like and here's the thing um I fully believe and maybe I'm wrong because I don't I don't I'm not dealing with this right now but if that kid is doing that is pulling it uh pulling those things on her own independently she's pulling that behavior at home too uh i don't think it's crazy to assume sure that, right oh yes absolutely you're right no chance that she's just doing it in the silo yeah so i wonder and you got to be careful um when you when you talk to i struggle with this too um talking to i'm not good at i haven't quite figured out talking to other kids parents especially at the park you don't know these people sometimes you get parents that are happy to have a conversation. I went to the same, we've been taking the kids to the park more and we've been getting a little more comfortable with the, you know, the kids sort of interacting with other kids at the park. Like COVID's still a thing. It's still a big issue here. Um, it's, we don't have the kids in school. We're trying to, you know, keep their exposure down so that we can still visit with family who are sort of more at risk. Um, but we have allowed the kids to play at the park and some, you know, the kids crave it. They crave the attention of other kids. They want to play. And we were at the park one time where these two kids arrived and Caden and Abigail are just literally chasing them all over the park. And I said to Caden and Abigail multiple times, like, you can't chase these kids. They don't want to be chased. Do you guys want to be chased? No, we don't want to be chased. Okay, stop chasing the kids. And I had to literally pull them aside multiple times to, to tell them to stop and eventually where it got down to is, I I don't know what happened, but one of the little girls that they were chasing around, something happened to her in, in one of the slides and she went over to her mother and, and started crying. So I go over to, I, I, I get Caden and Abigail and I say, you got to go apologize. I don't even know if you did anything, but at the end of the day, like you were chasing them around, they didn't want to be chased. 
We go over to the parent, who, by the way, was sitting on the bench the entire time that I'm running around yelling at my kids to stop chasing her kids. She's on her phone doing something. Like, I walk by her multiple times because I got Isabel in the wagon. And I'm not shaming someone for taking a break on their phone after having to watch kids all day. I get it. You want to, like, de-stress. That's not the problem here. But I take the kids over to apologize and the parent is just literally not looking at my face, you know, just looking off into the distance and just giving this weird smirk as I'm telling the kid, Kate and Abigail, can you apologize to these two? You chase them around. Like, are you guys okay? And the kids are like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, that's not how you apologize properly. But the parent doesn't say a word to me, just smiling like an idiot, looking off into the distance. And I'm like, all right, clearly we're not making headway with these folks. We got to go home because, like, I don't know. It, everyone was going home at that point. But it, but it's those moments where it's just like, I, I could tell you, you should go talk to that kid's parent and try to figure it out or at least figure out a way to, to, to maybe get those three, get the three of the kids together and get them playing nicely. But I've had moments where I have to interact with other parents and they just do not want to engage. They do not care and whatever that's fine like it is what it is but that's where i struggle to say yeah you should go talk to the parent because that could backfire these are your literal neighbors i'm never going to meet that that woman and those two kids again at the park because like it's a big city and it's a park that's frequently visited you know so ryan you're not going to be able to understand this but i'm going to try to explain it slowly for you uh one the the younger girl the one of the three that's kind of on the outs she has uh, a swimming pool in her backyard and I uh, where this is going and uh and like there was a moment there last week where her mom was like you know you guys could come over all summer and swim in the pool and i was like the only thing better than a pool is a friend with a pool <laughs> am i right and uh and and so i was you know excited about it so definitely the fact that now like now i've heard her you know the mom be like well it's like our daughter's shot liver now that Gwen's around, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, so much for the pool was a good dream there for a while. Uh, but yeah, there's the, uh, the 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 selfish and the selfless side of Crofton's worrying about this situation. But again, it's it, it is one of those things where like the 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 upside is really what counts, and that is that that Gwen is getting human interaction. She's getting her. She looks forward to um, the other girl knocking on her door uh, at um, at three or so when when she does come knocking. And honestly, like we're at a point now with the parents because there was that whole point, Ryan, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Um, not about the pool, obviously, you can't relate to that. But but about about the um, hanging out with parents and just being like. Uh, not really having much to talk about because we see our neighbors every day. They have no news. We have no news, really. You know, like where mm -hmm. we've been. So, but but the kids are playing, and then I've got to watch my kid, and they've got to watch their kid, and so we're kind of aimlessly walking up and down the street, making kind of inane chatter as we follow our children around. You know, we finally gotten to the point where we're kind of comfortable saying to each other, "Look, I'll watch the kids. You you can go do whatever, and then vice versa." Right? It's not perfect, but it's getting there. Um, because otherwise, it was it was going to be like sometimes when when all three girls were playing together, and, and you know, they're we got to be careful they don't run out on the street a little bit, and they're running from house to house. So the three, you know, there would be at least three adults like walking around, following them 
you know, it, it, it was, it's be, it is, it is what it is. Like, it's nice to talk to real people outside of COVID, but like at a certain point um, it gets, you know, you see them day in, day out. You don't have much news uh, to say, and we don't have a tremendous amount in common. You know, I'm not like, Hey, well, I, I am like, Hey, I got an Xbox series X and they're like, yeah, okay. Who cares? You're a man child, you know? And I'm like, yeah, no, it's true. That's fair. Um, so yeah, anyway, such as such, such as life. And uh, it is really nice that she's getting, she's getting some friendship and, and, and Clara is playing with that. The other girl's sister she was today uh and so i i you know i i expect that it's just going to get better and better but right now it's just like this weird sort of sometimes it's amazing and then sometimes it's it's not so much yeah i mean i wonder if even this is a situation of you know uh yeah, beggars can't be choosers type conversation where she is craving that interaction they're all craving that interaction and they have limited choices right um like did did she hang out with these kids before the you know the lockdown like no no she didn't and there is a definite amount of that there i'm sure like uh they they're they're in each other's faces a lot more because of the um uh you know because because of this and uh uh but but I, you know, like I, I think, I think it would be good if she had other, if, if my daughter had other friends, like, and she does at school, but it's been so long since she's seen them now that it's starting to fade. Um, so the sooner they get back, the better. Cause then if she, you know, has her school friends and then she has this other friend in the, the evening and stuff, it will be a lot, it will be a lot better and more easy to, uh, to manage. Uh, speaking of easy to manage, Ryan, have you, I want to do a follow up because, um, in previous episodes, we we talked about your struggles with uh, the sleeping and the waking up of the children, and you were going to try a bunch of stuff. Uh, have you figured out? Have you cracked the code? Uh, I thought I did for a little bit. Uh, then it got worse, and then it then it, and then lately, the last couple of days, it has gotten better. So, um, you know, rewind. Kids have been waking up at five thirty. Uh, they'd come into our room, which involves walking past Isabel's room, which was always like any step you take is uh, is a risk, right, uh, of waking up um, Isabel at that at that timing. Um, so I had I thought, oh, well, they've been really into the stories podcast. Uh, I still haven't purchased, uh, I haven't signed up for their Patreon, which gives you the ad free viewings, but I've kind of figured it out where I can like queue up the episodes the night before then basically have them run through and, and, uh, anyways, that hasn't been an issue. Uh, but I, I hooked up a Bluetooth speaker. I turn it on before bed. And then, uh, when, you know, one of the kids comes in to wake me up, I say, okay, go back to bed, lay down and I'll start playing some stories podcast. Uh, they have episodes that they specifically ask for. So I keep, um, usually what I'll do is like, if they really like one episode, of them, hmm, what's one of them? Um, they they like so and this is going to get into where it kind of dipped a bit but caden really likes monsters under the bed which is this is an Uh episode that starts with very much a kid being afraid of monsters under the bed but quickly evolves into the monsters being afraid of other monsters and then you know the story basically goes as she she and the kid and the monsters work their way through the house eventually realizing that all the monsters are afraid of each other and really no one means anyone harm so it has a really good ending but the journey 
is a little scary as they introduce every monster being and them being afraid of it. But uh, they also really like a new one that launched, which was uh, Chasing Squirrels, which is essentially about a dog chasing a squirrel. So that has gone over I, really well. I, I've listened to that one on a drive. Uh, yeah, no, it's for good. sure I could see that one going down. Yeah, so essentially we'll listen to an episode on one of our drives, whether we're going out to the grandparents or we're just we're just going to run errands. And essentially I'll ask the kids, like, do you really like this one? Do you want me to add it to the rotation for for morning and for, you know, our morning routine? And, you know, depending on what they say, I'll, I'll keep it in my podcast app. Uh, but so that hasn't been a problem. Essentially, I've got like six of them or so that I queue up in the morning, depending on how early they get up. Uh, and that's worked well. At the very least, it's allowed me to not to kind of wake up and get out, get downstairs um, to get ready for work while they're uh, listening to podcasts. And then they come down shortly after. Um, where it has caused a bit of an issue is a couple nights this week, Abigail refused to go to sleep without one of us laying in the bed with her. And it's like, okay, I'll lay in the bed with you until you fall asleep. And as many parents know, that's a gamble um, in that when they, if they wake up in the middle of the night, they're wondering, okay, where's, where's mom, where's dad? And this is literally like me laying at the end of the bed. She's got like this double bed. So she's like curled up in the corner of one bed and I'm all the way at the other end, just laying there waiting to, (laughs) to leave. Uh, But it kind of evolved into like, one of us being in their room all night for two nights. And eventually I said to Ashley, like, we can't do that. This is, this is not, this cannot be norm. This cannot be the norm. We have to break out of this. Uh, and, and just la- after two nights of having to literally like go in there and, and just sit at the end of the bed until she falls asleep. Uh, we eventually said like, no, we gotta, we gotta break this. So we did that by basically, I don't, I can't remember. I think we said, we can't go to grand. We can't go to the grandparents, or you you can't pick TV time or something, uh, and that has worked so far. You know, knock on wood. So we've kind of gotten to a point where the stories podcast in the morning has helped a little bit. Uh, it's kind of at least kept the, the idea is we want to keep them in their room for a little bit longer so that you know they're not running down the hall every five minutes wondering when it's time to get up because every time they run by Isabel's room. They potentially wake her up because they're slamming doors, they're opening doors, they're running, they're stomping. So this has really helped with that. Um, And, you know, I don't want to, like, set up a TV in their room. I know that would keep them quiet. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want screen time as a solution for everything. But it has worked in the past. (laughs) Uh, Which brings me to my other update where, you know, when kids go into school... They're, they're required to, to do a couple things that seem like, you know, you know common uh, for kids their age. But uh, one thing we haven't really gotten around to, we, we did the potty training, but we didn't get around to, you know, wiping, you know, wiping your own butt, wiping, you know, when you're done, essentially. And so we were still doing that for both the kids. And we, we said, basically, well, if we're putting these kids in school in September, they need to know how to wipe their butt. Um, and that was a struggle. Uh, but I employed the, what has worked really well for our kids, which is essentially every day you wipe your butt, you flush the toilet, you wash your hands and you do it perfectly. You get to watch a movie at dinner time, but only for a week. And sure enough, 
within it's a couple days. Good old bribery. I hey, you know what? I no judgment, Ryan. No judgment. Well, essentially, we we did the same thing with potty training with Abby. We said every day you do it perfectly, you get a treat every time you do it, <laughs> and you get to watch Frozen. So we watched frozen and frozen 2 for about a week again i don't know how caden got roped into picking frozen every night but uh now they are um doing it i wouldn't say perfectly i mean it's hard to say who who wipes their butt perfectly honestly yeah. uh <laughs> but uh Not those sports <laughs> that's a callback uh <laughs> i'm not even i remember explicitly what you are talking about but i'm not i'm not gonna say it here because you should go listen to that episode of good better bullshit um but yeah they're the paper yeah so oh is it the toilet paper episode yeah i'll link it in the show notes um but uh yeah so the kids are doing they're they are wiping their own butt and and yeah uh it that routine it results in some interesting sort of uh results from time to time like uh you know when they wash their hands it goes all over like we're trying to be more independent because we're trying to explain to them like you know Caden, you can't just run off camera and go get a drink of water when you're you know because when you're in school you're going to have to ask your teacher you're going to have to wait for permission to go to the bathroom to go get a drink and that's the next step is trying to figure that out but um I'm sure, you know, just being in senior kindergarten, he, he should be, the teacher should be able to kind of help him. But, uh, yeah, that's sort of where we're at right now. I just imagine the Murphy household, there's like, you know, you're you're like, okay, so Kate and Buddy, you know, if you do this and you, you know, you wipe your shit properly, you know, you, you'll, you'll be able to uh, to watch a movie tonight during supper. And then, then you, turn to, you turn to Ashley and you're like, can you believe these kids? They, you know they're so dumb they'll fall for anything and then ash is like oh it's it's your turn to uh to go in the bedroom with them tonight and ryan's like oh no geez oh do i have to it, ryan if you do this we'll get you an xbox series x okay <laughs> okay buddy and you're like oh okay dear okay i'll i'll do it and then she turns around and she's like god they're all so dumb <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know but, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But I mean, like, this is the thing. I mean, uh, I still feel like it, like we're doing more outside time, so we're doing less screen time um, out outside of the school. But uh, TV time isn't happening as often. They get maybe a half hour during which Ashley's putting Isabel down, and I'm still working. But at the end of the day, like. Them watching a movie with dinner, yeah, it sucks. I have to remind them to, to keep eating. And th- this is this only lasted, like, this was, like, last week for a couple days. And then once they got it and they realized, like, oh, wow, this is this is much better than waiting, like, screaming, mom, mom, every time they go poop. So it's worked out quite well. But um, with Caden and e-learning, uh, I kind of let it slide a little bit. But I, I realized, like, I probably have to maybe take the next month or what's left of school and try to explain like, look, when, when you need to go to the bathroom, when you need to get a drink or basically leave the classroom, essentially walk off camera, you have to put your hand up and ask to go. But like the teachers haven't really set up that sort of understanding. They want you to put your hand up when you want to talk, but they haven't really said like, if you need to leave, put your hand up. And like today, Caden was like, trying to yell upstairs to mom to to or to Ashley to get water 
And I said to Caden, like, don't yell. Get up and go get it. And as soon as he goes up, he gets up to go get it. The teacher calls him on it. Like, Caden, where are you going? <laughs> and then Caden's at the top of the stairs. And he looks at me and he looks at the, he looks at the tablet and he says, see, dad, I'm not allowed to leave. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's my fault. Go back to the camera. I'll go get your water. But like, sometimes they don't care. Sometimes they do. And it's really confusing for Caden because he just wants a drink of water and he forgot it upstairs. So uh, I said to Caden, like, from now on, just ask me. But like, really, you should be able to, I don't know how it works in class, like, in kindergarten, do you just get a bottle of water on your desk? You drink it whenever you want. Like, do you have to ask to go get a drink from the fountain? I assume fountains aren't a thing anymore, let alone during COVID. So, ah, I don't know. It's a struggle. So, so complicated. I know. So so complicated, Ryan. The uh, poor Caden. He's trapped by the woman on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, she won't let me go. I feel for him. Like even this morning, he burst into tears because. Oftentimes the Google Meet room will be open, and I wasn't here for this, but Ashley was Ashley was livid um, with the teachers because Caden was having a conversation with his friends in class. Um, they were talking about, I don't know, they were probably talking about like blocks or Legos, whatever kids talk about. I thought and you were going to say wiping your butt. No, although he will occasionally talk about stuff. I was like, man, that's not really appropriate for, for class. I but. went so good. I got to watch the Machines movie again at supper. It was yeah. amazing. Uh, but essentially, they were having a, a kid conversation. Teacher pops in at 830 and says like, all right, and then starts talking, interrupting everyone. And the, t- and the kids are like, well, we got to stop talking because the teacher's talking. And then Caden starts to talk again and say, oh, I want to finish my story. I was telling some of the kids something. And the teacher's like, no, you have to put up your hand. And and Ashley was like so pissed because she was like, they were already talking and you interrupted the kids. So what kind of example are you trying to set? And I said to Ashley, like, I, I agree with you. Sometimes they don't really realize what they're doing. But like, I think in a virtual standpoint, like, really a lot of these teachers don't know what they're doing because this is all new, you know, like you and I podcast all the time. We get, you know, how zoom and whatnot works, but, uh, yeah. Except when we're supposed to do things for listeners, then we never do it. No, no, no. Yeah. We uh, don't make promises anymore for sure. Yeah. That's, that's right. Speaking of, uh, promises made promises kept, um, just want to check the mailbag, Ryan, do we have any, of that sweet, sweet, life-nourishing listener feedback. We don't. Uh, probably because people write in and ask us to do spoiler casts, in which I think at this point, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki are probably just going to be in here. And we're just going to keep adding Disney Plus series as we go. And it'll be like... It'd be like Marvel Year One Roundup or something like. Yeah, I know. I I I know what you're going. It's funny because I was I saw you you had a reminder here in the thing, and I was like, well, when we get to the end, we'll just see where our energy levels are at. But I'm telling you right now, I can no longer do it tonight. It's going to be one of those things where we would have to make a time, yeah, to do it outside of the the regular show because I don't think we can tack on. Especially we've been doing these marathon episodes lately because there's just so much exciting stuff that's been happening in our life. Like I've played a video game, listened to a podcast, and read a book. That's a lot of stuff. And by read a book, I mean read a chapter. By listen to a podcast, I mean listen to one episode. And by play a video game, I mean played like the first tutorial mission. But aside from that, like I'm busy, man. Lots going on. Um, So – 
I'm just going to, I'm just going to do the business then and, and wrap us up and say uh, that, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, you got great tips on how to save money on your Xbox or you fast forwarded and, and heard us go on to all sorts of non sequiturs about 4Ks and 30 frames and all of that. We can get more of that by visiting us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. Uh, you can email the show dad at tgistudios.com. And I just want to mention, people probably be like, what is TGI Studios? Well, I don't know either. Uh, uh, it's in our it's in our, our title, so it must be we must be important. If if we're related to a studio, it must be important. I was I did not want to buy a Dungeons and Diapers domain, so I bought uh umbrella domain. And so far only we've added a few podcasts under it, but this is the only one that's ongoing at this stage but yeah tgi studios is basically the gamers in studios the gamers in and that is a show that uh that ryan does you should also listen to so dad at tgi studios.com that's where you send us your emails they're nourishing and we will read them and we will answer them and if you ask us a question we will answer it if you make a request we will never do it um (laughs) You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find myself at Crofton Steers and Ryan is at R Murphy. And the show actually has its own Twitter account. It's a great way to find out when a new episode is being released. And that is at D and D cast D A N D D cast. And um, it's managed obviously by our, our social media manager. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so engage with that. Follow all those and uh, and send us your, your mail and continue to listen. And thank you so much to all our loyal listeners and to, to anybody who's listening for the first time. Hope you enjoyed it. You probably got through it and are like, you know what? After this episode, I think I'm going to switch to Smartless. And I got to say, I respect your decision. I quite enjoyed that show. But you should also listen to this show. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of Dungeon to Diapers. I'm Crofton. He's Ryan. Have a great week, everybody. Bye, everyone. A great two weeks, everybody. Do a couple bi-weekly episodes. I still say have a good week. As in, like, have a good week after this episode, but that next week, just... That next week's... Yeah. Terrible. You're just going to be begging yeah. for us to come back. <laughs> You'll be like, we, we got through one week without you, but we need you back so bad. Bye.